Randy Christensen is the co-founder of the curated personal care brand Necessaire. A lineup of clean body care products housed in sleek packaging, Necessaire has become a staple in chic bathrooms everywhere, and I cannot wait to uncover the story behind it all with Randy today. Hi everyone, and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs built some of the biggest brands today, and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far, and I decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other. It can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's like to welcome our guest for today, Randy Christensen. She is the co-founder of Necessaire, a tightly curated line of essentials that offer facial grade skincare for the body. An Estee Lauder veteran with 15 years of working for global brands like Creme de la Mer, Tom Ford and Estee Lauder itself, Randy drew from her product strategy expertise to launch what she calls the Patagonia of Beauty, a responsible brand offering only what is necessary to body care. With its performance-led formulations and spark packaging, Necessaire sets itself apart with Randy's Scandi-chic minimalism at its core and efforts to minimize its carbon footprint, becoming one of the first brands to achieve carbon-neutral status. I really love their concept of consistently questioning what is necessary from each product they release to every ingredient, wording, and design element. Every touchpoint is carefully considered, and it's just one of the many reasons why I believe that Necessaire has got beauty lovers everywhere hooked. It's my absolute pleasure to sit down with Randy today. So Randy, thank you so, so, so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. So Randy, I ask all my guests the same question. I'm going to ask you, who in a nutshell is Randy? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a wonderful, wonderful first question. I think, you know, the truth is I hold, I hold many roles. Um, you know, I'm a mother. Uh, I'm a wife. I'm a friend. I'm a beauty executive, and I'm also the founder, uh, the founder of Necessaire. Those are the many roles, um, and I think then you 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 layer on my my passion for the environment and and all the all the work I do there, and you kind of have a have a little bit of an idea of of my everyday. Oh, it's, and, and this is like for me, I'm really excited to get into this podcast because everything you've done is sort of like. Um, I would say a car, like a footprint copy of like what I want to do. It's, it's, it's so inspiring. Like I have this message internally of like the Patagonia beauty. I feel like there should be more beauty brands that kind of have that Patagonia effect. And a fun fact, I used to work at Estee Lauder. So we have some similarities there. Yeah. Um, and the second fun fact is my shower is only consisting of Fable and Main and Necessaire. So you, you see, like it's just shows nice. that. Nice. <laughs> It's my favorite products and body care. I say it here. I'm not afraid to say it again. It's absolutely incredible what you created. And uh, I'm just excited to see the journey. But I want to start a little bit at the beginning. Uh, baby baby Randy, um, born and raised in Denmark. So tell us about this sort of Scandinavian living, growing up in beauty. Like what were some of those memories? I, I really sort of landed in, in beauty a bit by coincidence. I, I grew up in, in Scandinavia. I grew up in Denmark. I was you know, finishing my business school degree and came over to see a friend who was 
who was working at the Estee Lauder companies. And, you know, one of those small moments in life where everything sort of changes. And I was at the 40th floor and took an elevator down and, and I think met uh, some wonderful, wonderful people at Estee Lauder. That turned into an interview that turned into five or six interviews. And that was a Tuesday. And by Friday, I was like, gosh, I'm starting my career in beauty. And, and a couple months later, I moved to New York City yeah. uh, to, to really begin at Estee Lauder in, in what they call their presidential management associate program. It's, it's, it's a program they have when you're just sort of done with school and, and, and you're about to kick off your career and you get sort of a turbo, turbo education into beauty. And, and I did that. So that was kind of the, the beginnings of beauty. But I will tell you this, I, I never wore lots of makeup, but I, I did sell perfumes down, down on my street, homemade perfumes when I was like four or five and six, my mother tells me. Uh, press the flowers, put them in water. So a little bit of entrepreneurship and just a little bit of, I think, this idea of of, of sensorial sort of joy. Again, fun fact. I see there's so many similarities here, but like my, my yeah. dad um, is in fragrance for 40 years and he started mm. his career selling fragrance in markets, buying it from and the border of Calais in France to selling it in the UK. And now he's got a big... Um, big company that kind of distributes fragrances and makes fragrances globally it's um, amazing and it's crazy how the power of fragrance is sometimes the best gateway into the world of beauty i mean we also know this right in in, in skincare and hair care how fragrance has a big part of what we do mm-hmm. so i love that that side story i think it's really mm-hmm. really beautiful i, I want to go a bit deeper into the estee lauder conversation because i think mm-hmm. it's very incredible to see someone who's had such an incredible career at a company mm-hmm. and then obviously left to create their own brand. I can tell you I've had, you know, I used to work at Dior for many years and I've had conversations with some seniors and executives that were there for 40 years, 30 years and wanted to create their own brand. I was there after two, three years, wanted to create my own brand. But that moment to jump and to leave to do it is is often, you delay yourself consistently because that comfort zone is, is there. So before I guess I get we get into that question of how you did the jump, maybe could you like tell us a little bit about that journey into like Estée La Mer and how your role evolved before you got to decide? Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing I would say is I really do feel um, that it was a privilege to to get to start my career at the Estée Lauder companies. It was um, in many ways sort of a continuum of learning, right, uh, from, yeah. from some of some of the very best. You know, the funny thing about my journey at Estee Lauder is that it was quite entrepreneurial. You know, I started in the program. I mentioned prior, it's about a year long. I then went into Creme de la Mer and I had a two stents at, at La Mer. And when we first started, we were, you know, I first started, I was, I was junior and I was, you know, sitting in the corner and we were packing boxes and we were doing the little things and also the the very, the very big things. And I think, you know, very early on in my career, and I think this is something I I carry with me, I have very much understood about myself that, you know, and others that, you know, some folks like consistency and depth of focus in their job and, and a very sort of narrow scope, but a deep scope. And I really loved you know, sort of getting my hands in everything and yeah. and and creating, sitting with the white piece of paper, right? Uh, 
creating, whether it's creating a new product or launching a new market or just doing something sort of from, from the beginning to the end. Um, and I think I sort of started to spot that throughout my journey there. And I later on, I, I, I had the, the pleasure of joining the Estee Lauder brand. And it was at the time where uh, Tom Ford was coming in and uh, he was doing, we were doing um, Tom Ford for Estee Lauder before he created his own signature brand. And, and once again, I was sort of part of, you know, part of that team that, that, that sort of drove that initiative forward. And then, and then finally, Akash, I, I landed up in, in ELC Ventures out here in California. Uh, also, once again, working with, you know, some of the startups. So I feel you know, between the brands, between the, the, the sort of disciplines I worked in, and then sort of really, you know, over that, you know, time, really learning from some of the best in beauty, um, I think I got the courage, because uh, I think it's, it's half ability, right, um, i.e. the ability to, to jump out and not take a salary and having saved up for that. And, and, and the other half is sort of courage and being like, hey, do I have the toolbox? Can I do that? And uh, it's humbled me greatly to start a business. I have profound um, respect for every function now of every business, because I don't think before I fully grasped um, all that it takes, right? All of the things that has to turn um, and how it truly is a team effort. Um, I think I really see it close up now in my role. And at Estee Lauder, I, I saw it too. It's always a team, but I think here it's, it's really on display when you're starting a business, right? That you just can't do it alone. No, that's so true. So, so when you came across uh, like Nick, your co-founder, how, how did that start that conversation? Nick and I met at the Estee Lauder companies. We worked together here on, on out here on the West coast. And the truth is, I think we were in Korea doing a, a sort of a, a, a trend tour and, yeah. you know, Nick had sort of one concept he was playing with and I had another concept that I was playing with and we sort of were both like, we want to jump, we want to, you know, do. And I think we looked at each other and it was one of those moments where it was like, hey, one plus one equals three and, and sort of our individual concepts, you know, morphed into this idea of better personal care, this idea of 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 these of the necessary, and also this idea of 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 I think simplicity and and a sense of genderlessness because we were we were the two of us, right? And so we sort of both needed to belong in this brand, and that made it better for sure. I, it was definitely one of those things that I think you know once once you have a partner, it's like we're doing this, and then. Then you're in it and it's rolling, right? Because you, no escape. <laughs> no, es that's right. No escape. And that's what you need sometimes because you get days where you're like, I'm good. I'm motivated. Let's go. And you get days where you're like, what am I doing? Like, should I do this? Why am I doing this? Maybe let me give me a bit more time to think about it. And the that's best, right. you know, you know it, the best thing is just go forward. And as you realize yeah. you're going forward, you look back and you're like, oh my God, I've climbed so much up this mountain. Look where I am now. You just don't realize it. So it's so, so, so true. So the name Necessaire, how did that come around? Finding a name for something, when you, when you have a concept yeah. Now, putting that one word on it is 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 remarkably hard, uh, and so it 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 took us a really long time. And I think for some people, it's just 
that's what the name is. They know it. And for and they just know it. And and sometimes it's their name, right? And and that's yeah, like, oh, this is easier. This, is, this <laughs> is my creation and this is it. And I think Nick and I were very clear up front that it was not going to be called Nick and Randy, you know. <laughs> uh we, we 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 were like, listen, we need we need a a a a sort of a a word. Um a moment that can sort of hold the vision of, of what we see this to be. And I think there was this idea, right, of necessary toilet, right? This, this idea of all the things in, in the back. So that was one. And then there was just this idea that the word necessary could, could really hold, could be so much more than a name. It could be a, a, a sort of a framework for, yeah, how we think about all we do, right? Is this product necessary that we're bringing into the world? Is the time we take from somebody necessary when we share a post or do content? Is, you know, is the ingredient necessary as you referenced prior? You know, what are these, like, how do you start using your name as a sort of a mm. DNA framework for, for how you edit yourself? Um, and yeah. you, you, you get sort of a little bit more precise in, in, in what you, you know, for us, precision was important, right? Meaningfulness was important. Um, and I also think, you know, necessary is very much sort of has these two pillars, care for your body and care for your planet, both of which I think Nick and I were like, both of those are really necessary now, right? This, yeah. this sort of environmental aspect of where we're at as as humans, it's just, it's just, it's at that point now where, where it's time. Yeah. I can, I, I, it shouldn't be rushed sometimes these things, but yeah, we have to have that, some of that business hat on of like, is it even trademarkable? Is it like yeah. uh, easy to SEO? Is there even the Instagram handle? Like nowadays it's a lot harder than um, even a few years ago, Yeah, but um, cause uh, everyone is just like holding on to names and maybe not even launching it. But I do think uh, having, that kind of aha moment when it comes, you'll just know, like it's something that like I can't explain, right? Like it might take a year, it might take one day, but like once you got the name, you'll know and you'll run with it and then it becomes a bit easier. I think we did, we did just know. It's very true yeah. what you're saying. Like once, once we sort of landed on that word, we we're like, that's it. And we never look back and we just, Move forward. Yes, yeah. that was it. The only time people look back is actually when they end up doing the easier one, which is going for a namesake brand and then realize later they don't really feel comfortable with that or the, the potential risks of that, right? As you, right. It's your name gone. So I feel like today there is a kind of like risk of kind of going a bit deeper into a namesake brand, which I think we've seen those kind of potential horror stories in beauty where people are like, oh, like I no longer am affiliated with that name. It's not. My, it's no longer my name, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that people have to really think hard about is there is certain requirements when choosing a name that you have to be okay with in 10, 15 years if, if the situation changes. So yeah, it's, it's about thinking about it's those true. things early on, but not necessarily overthinking it where it gets uh, you never launch because <laughs> it could take yes uh, exactly it could take some time but um i i really want to spend a lot of time on on the planet part but before i do go into that uh the very yes. important thing is to go through the products because without a great brand and a great product you wouldn't have a business today so i want to talk a little bit about i guess the first mpd i, I think there was also some like i was reading about the way you liken your kind of product development and stuff to like iPhones. That was a really some interesting strategy. So maybe you can tell us about um, your cadence of launching. I, first, and, first and foremost, we, we turned four 
I guess we're four and a half now. Uh, we turned four about six months ago. If, if you really look at the brand, we, we've launched very little, right? Um, so if you, you sort of go back in our Well, it's history, just the necessary, right? It's not, it's not everything. Yep. And, 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 you know, I think one of the things as we get more and more educated on, on body, I think there are, there are things that are, that are necessary for different folks. But what I wanted to sort of start with is it is true if you think sort of the triangle of how I think about product and have since day one is, you know, number one at the very tippy top, right, of that triangle, we do ask ourselves, is it necessary? N- number yeah. two you know, for, for us, sort of the, the sort of big aha for, for Nick and I was like, we, we felt that body was consistently an afterthought. It was one of those things where it was like, listen, yeah. I have launched everything I can in face. Now let me launch a shea butter for the, for the, for the neck down. Right. Yeah. And I think we were so, you know, into like efficacy and for, for us, efficacy was really king. And that, that we were like, listen, I want sort of to to have these products neck down that you know that delivers the same sort of efficacy as advanced facial treatments and that was a breakthrough right and and we sort of trademarked this idea of treat your body like your face and i think starting with we want to go the opposite way of everybody else we want to start with body and maybe one day land in face Number two, we want to really attack it with treating your body like your face and, and, and going after facial grade efficacy was at the time sort of a pioneering idea. And people were like, what? You're going to put hyaluronic yeah. acid and, 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 and vitamins and peptides and, 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 you know, later on the acids and you're going to take these things and put them into body products and we were like yes there are unique concerns on the body but these skinny actives that we know can really treat these concerns so we 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 began there and we've now taken that same idea to scalp like treat your scalp like your skin and so i think you know you start with is it necessary it does it deliver the efficacy that we're expected we we both are like efficacy is is first it's 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 hero and then you go into yeah. okay we believe in eu compliance we believe in dermatologist tested hyperallergenic non-comedogenic vegan and the things but it, it really is that triangle of you know the necessary it must be efficacious we must commit to these sort of ideas of treatment and then there is these ways that we can deliver that today and you know Akash, I've been in skincare for so long. This is sort of my, this is the play, place I operate in. I know skincare very well. And I know, you, you know, I, I, I go. You, you also know what's needed. and Yes. Yeah. And what's not needed. Because there's already a lot out there. Right. There's a yeah. lot out there. But I think the one thing I would say to you is now you ask me, you know, what do you, how do you think about sort of the, 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 the iPhone sort of analogy? Yeah. So for me, it's now like you go down the, the the sort of triangle and you're like, okay, how am I going to deliver, how am I going to deliver efficacy? And the truth is for me, when we design a product that necessary, and it's not me, it is a big team. We do it together. We really look at four things. We look at number one, we have to deliver efficacy in, in four things. Number one is the functional benefit, right? 
which is does the product perform? Number two is the sensorial benefit. That's what you spoke about. Is it fragrance free? If not, is it scented? How is it scented? If it's not scented, how are you feeling something? If it's not scented, how are you delivering emotionality? And then number three, there is design efficacy, right? And sort of design performance and design. This is, you know, Nick and I always talked about in the beginning, this is like furniture for the home. A big, yeah. They're not. They're like these big things in your bathroom, right? So they they have to be considered. And then I think the last thing is is this commitment to 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 footprint uh, and owning your footprint. Um, and I just don't like the word sustainability because we are definitely not sustainable. I don't think anything is or anyone is in business. But um, having a responsible mindset is is really important. So that's how I think about design. And now you ask me, you know, what, what's the iPhone comment I made? I think the iPhone comment I made one time or a couple of times is what I really respect in that model is that it's not this insane proliferation of SKUs, but it's like going back and investigating is what you have still relevant? Is it still good enough? And that's very hard. And you know this very well in beauty to say to a retailer, hey, I'm just going to redo my products all the time because I do know that skin technology is, 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 is improving. And so we, we do a lot of that. And I'm, I'm sure if, if, if our planners were here on the call, they would say, are you out of your mind? But I do yeah. really believe in that commitment, right? To constantly be like, okay, that lotion that lotion you did three years ago, can that be better in 2023? Yeah, it can. Okay, go do, go do that. Don't just launch another lotion. Go make the one you have better. So we, we, we do a lot of that. That's amazing. And I think that's like a mindset I hope many um, beauty brands, but also just the retailers have, because as much as it's the beauty brand's decision, they're often coerced into thinking that's essential by the retail planning because it's all about NPD, new sales, new opportunities. You know, we know by working with the big conglomerates is often their way of growing businesses is consistently launching. And, you know, when I worked at Dior, sometimes I would work on new lip products and I was like, but isn't that what we said the last one was? And I, what's yeah. like, <laughs> what is this is USP? You know, I was like, so when people ask me honest questions, like, which is better? I'm like, I don't know. I just have to say the recent one was better, you know, <laughs> because that's yeah. our focus. So, and I think that's sort of like where the, the, the responsibility comes in. Right. And I think that's mm-hmm. where, um, there is an opportunity cost of being responsible and being obviously profitable, making business revenue. But I actually think today, the responsible way gets you long-term more revenue because you're improving, you're cost-saving, you're uh, focusing, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're really scaling that hero skew. And like an Olaplex and like these brands that have very limited skews, you can still become a billion-dollar entity with very few skews. You don't have to have hundreds and hundreds. So, yeah. I feel like um, I'm on the same page there, but you know where innovation comes, and when you have a team that can create great products, and that's always open to great new product development. So uh, yeah, excited sure. like you, know, you know, maybe you guys will go into skincare and other avenues. Um, yeah, it will, it will come at the right time. But to talk about footprint now, yes. because it's something that you guys do a lot of. Uh, maybe you can like summarize, and the rest of the people like uh, after some time, they can go on your website and see a little bit more into detail of everything you guys yes. do. But what are some of the highlights you do to be a responsible uh, luxury brand in the space? Yeah, 
I think, you know, thank you for asking that question. Num- number one, it's, it's, you asked earlier, you know, why, you know, why did you jump out um, from Estee Lauder? I jumped out because of this one key thing, N- yeah. not to market it, not to be loud on it, but to do it in the background. Um, I love the personal care and beauty space. And I do feel, as we both know, we're, we're a significant contributor to, 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 you know, to all, all the issues we have. So I think it's a number one been with us since day one. So this is really important. This is not some reverse engineering that we suddenly want to say the right thing. It's been with us, you know, since day, day one. Number two, in all honesty, we, we started out um, sort of saying, you know, we want to be effective, i.e. efficacy. Um, we want to deliver efficacy and we want to deliver those products in a, respond, in a sustainable way. And I, I wanted yeah. to share with you that in about, about 18, maybe 24 months into Necessaire's sort of journey, um, I changed the word sustainability. I took it out everywhere because yeah. I started to realize that the more we could sort of flip it around and say, listen, we can be responsible luxury at best. We are not sustainable. Yeah. In that very moment, it shifts from one day and a pledge to here's our footprint and here's what we're doing about it. And it fundamentally changed our company. So so today, the way we think about it is we share our footprint. We share the the, the things we're working on that, that could be yeah. better. Some of the highlights from us is um, we are certified B Corp. We, we sit very high here. Haven't last year. Um, we have been uh, certified climate neutral since year one in business. We were an inaccurate member and a strong partner with climate neutral here in the United States. We've donated 1% of all sales to uh, the 1% Amen. for the Planet Network. We have partnered with Repurpose Global in offsetting our plastic footprint. We, you know, very sort of diligently partnered with How to Recycle to verify our recyclability claims. This is really, really important because you know this, Akash, we go to these shows and there's packaging and every material is, is recyclable. And I smile all the time because I'm always like somewhere. It is somewhere, maybe in my home country, uh, in somewhere it's recyclable, right? But the real way to tackle recyclability is to say, listen, you know, what? where are the U.S. waste systems in our case? Because this is where we operate. Where is the Canadian waste systems at? And that's what How to Recycle do. They are like, Randy, unfortunately, your aluminum tubes are not re- readily recyclable in 60% of the waste plants. So it's we just don't get the stamp, right? Because we're hurting the recyclability systems by advising people to put that in the recyclability bin. So we 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 kind of came out with that stand and we were like, listen, we've made some mistakes and we, we are now gonna label every single product uh with the how to recycle label. And 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 from that we we learned a lot. And I I think, you know, I we we I like to say to people I don't like I like facts and I yeah. think that's one of the things we do now is we just verify what we say and we share it the good and the bad that is just a stance we have taken that we are doing our best to be responsible we own the footprint we have and 
as a small company, we, we, we tackle sort of, we tackle the building blocks the best we can. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of our, our way of attacking this and participating in this and being a voice in this. We don't speak so much about it at cost, but we do a lot of work here on the back end, like a lot. That's, I mean, and, and to be honest, I think the transparency that you guys do is, is, is so, um, inspiring. Like, like when I go through the website, I see, I see that you timestamp when you had all these things and like, so like 2019 plus 2021 plus. And I think for, for me, it just shows again, that whole thing we, we always repeat it was like, like, it's a journey. You can't do it all overnight. It takes time. You have to also think about all the other things of making a scalable business. We're not sustainable exactly as you said there is no business truly sustainable you can just be as responsible and as transparent and I think that is something that I feel really inspired me when I saw that I was like no brand I've seen has told like time stamped when they've done that like in a very honest way right every single thing even like your inserts like when did you become 100% recyclable 2019 plus 2021 you know yeah that's really great really really great it's, it's the last thing I would share with you is that it's sort of a thread in the team too, right? I, I think one thing yeah. I'm, I'm very inspired by is like this idea of responsibility is not a project. It is a thread in how we operate. It sits with every team member and we all participate in it Yeah, all the time. It's so true. And I think it's just... I love you consistently say we, 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 we. That's like so, so important because uh, we're only as strong as the people behind us and the family we build on the journey, right? The consumers, the 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 team we have. Um, That's and, right. And it can get hard, right? Like, do you get days yeah. as a co-founder? Actually, I wanted to ask this question because I'm at a weird crossroad. We're three years into the business, but there are days where I'm like, ooh, like, should I, am I the right CEO for where it's going? Should I take it to the next level? Can someone else kind of take it to the next level? Um, when to relinquish the CEO-ness, right? You could also hire a CEO or a president or someone to help you. But as you are like same title as me, CEO, co-founder, like how do you, do you get days where you doubt yourself or feel, I don't know, questioned? Oh yeah. I think one of the most important things is to serve that topic up about once a year. Right. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing is that the collective wins. And with that, I mean the collective. And as a result, you have to make a thousand hard micro decisions along the journey. And you know that sometimes it's, you know, certainly for necessary. Right. We came we were we were sort of born and raised, if you will, during COVID was very much a digital business. And today we are transitioning into an omni. Omni business, and that is just a sort of a one eighty in a business. And you know, top down, you have to sort of look at: Do we have the enablers to support this journey? And that includes yourself, um, as in the CEO seat, right? Is is, is is am I the best candidate for this next step? And I think most businesses today are turning. Akash, I don't know how you feel, but I feel my business is kind of shifting every 18 months. There's something massive new, whether it's a new channel or a new category or new digital platform. And I really don't think that, you know, most times it's it's okay to be like, listen, to, to recognize that, that folks are like literally remarkable for part of the journey and might not be remarkable for the full thing. And I very much believe that that includes myself. Um, and I, 
um, we have this level, we have this kind of discussions at my board level all the time. So right now I'm still here, right? But that doesn't mean that I'll always be part of Necessaire, but that doesn't mean that at some point the business won't need, you know, a, a, a leader that, that brings that next chapter to life. And, and so I think that's, that's healthy. Um, and I, it's hard. It's, I'm with you. Um, but I also think the COC, that's the number one job, right? Is to make sure that that's you, a, yeah. That, and I that think you sometimes the founderness in that CEO yeah. adds a lot of value that we sometimes underplay because it's something that that heart and soul in that CEO position adds so much more enrichment. I think I love the point where you're like, just address it because it might be that point of addressment that gets you more motivated to like, continue right yes, and for sure it's actually in those days where I get those kind of conversations with like my myself my dad my, my, my team my sister and I'm like and then they sometimes they reassure me and, and they remind me like selfishly like I want to learn as much as I can from this baby that we're building right like you're building and you have to yeah sometimes be willing to to, to level up do things you're not comfortable with uh if you want to continue to learn and grow um and at least for try sure. If you, if you feel yeah. like you're giving up because you're worried about something you haven't even tried yet, then you should still continue being the CEO or continue growing it, right? Because you haven't tried it yet. Um, that's, that's true. That's something that I would, yeah, remind myself as well. So yeah, it's something I've been thinking about recently. That's why I bring it up. But it's, it's a, I'm in that phase of the year where I'm like, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, but it is one we have to always ask ourselves. But it's before I go to fire round and start wrapping it up, I have sort of one last question, which is to do with, Sort of on this journey, this incredible journey in the last four years of building Necessaire, what is some of some of the most like inspiring or the most inspiring moment where you kind of had this big learning curve or big moment of realization that you think is valuable for others to know? I think there's learning every single day. Um, and yeah. I think there's like, you know, and you know what I mean, there's like things you tackle every day and then there's sort of big things you tackle. And if you look back, you're like, goodness we really did overcome a big thing. Um, but I really do believe that if I was going to sum up two things that I look back at, you, you sort of alluded to it earlier. I feel resilience is a, is a skill set that this is like a soft skill set. And I'll come to a hard one in a second, but I think a soft skill set that I, that I, look back at is, is it's, it's hard to start a business. It, it's just not easy. Um, so you, 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 you obviously have to love it or you won't stick with it. But the second thing is you just have to just have that resilience. And, uh, you know, we all find that resilience in different, in different things and in different places. But I think that statement, so many folks have said before us, but it really is true. Um, at least it has. And I think, I think as you said, it's, it's those daily daily moments that build that yes. everlasting resilience and that's why the empowerment is in not one thing but everything but that's a yeah that's a soft skill I love but I'll let you continue that's it yeah. yeah and for me the hard skill that I think when you come from an Estee Lauder and I had done strategy and product and international and marketing right but what I really really think I've had to learn with necessaire is how to sell how to sell learn how to sell, right? And it sounds like simple, but it's very hard in a dynamic world where retailer interactions are changing. You know, 
the way consumers consume content is changing, right? How do you protect the brand you wish to be and also learn how to constantly sell and evolve? Um, and so to me, that's the hard skill that I think if I look back, um, I think in some ways I took for granted at Estee Lauder. It's like, oh, we're launching and building a new product and there it is, a hundred and somewhat markets. Let me put it into it. And here's all the retailers and all the things. And when you're sort of a smaller brand, it's like, wait a minute, we, we, we've been humbled and privileged to have support from our retailers, but we're still small. And I have to, you know, we yeah. and I have to find ways. Um, and as a company, we, we constantly talk about, okay, you know, where are we selling? How are we selling? And how are we doing all that? protecting the brand we want to be and the equity we want to to have. And so I think resilience and how that comes to life is pro probably individual for each of us. And then scaling that in you and building that in you and nurturing that in you. And then I think on the other side, it's like having this laser focus constantly on knowing how to sell. Oh, I love that. Such such a great uh, answer. So thank you for for that. I'll, I'll I'll be remembering that as well. So I really appreciate it. Um, so now fire round questions, but I have one desert island situation. So imagine I'm inviting you to a desert island, but you can only bring one necessary product with you. What is that necessary, necessary product coming on that trip? <laughs> I think for me, it is um, for sure the body lotion. It's my, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in moisture for skin, skin health, skin comfort. Um, so that would be my number one. I love that. Um, and, and the great thing is, is you also have, uh, do, in the body lotion, do you have minis as well for people like, uh, like travel sizes? We do, we do now. Yes. After yeah. three or four years, That's we so finally exciting. have a travel size. Yeah. 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 I saw that in Sephora, I think. And I was like, I, I went and grabbed them all. I was like, I'm so happy. So yeah, it's always great to be able to, to launch yeah, travel sizes yeah. as well for hero skis. So very exciting um so fire round questions uh, i have three or four questions and then i'll let you build your business i'm sure you have many meetings to attend to so i won't keep you for too long <laughs> but, uh, the first question i'm gonna ask you is what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving right now it could be makeup skincare fragrance anything gosh i currently am in love with april's Wintner's daughter yeah it's amazing. I, she's come on the podcast as well. So you have to listen to that episode if you haven't. I will. I can't wait. I can't wait. My next question is, where is your happy place? Or what is your happy place? Yeah. My happy place is my evening walk with my husband, my two bull masters in nature. Yeah, you and me are very similar with the hiking and the nature. Uh, I, mm. I, I'm doing Everest in November. Any chance I can do <gasps> to like base camp? Not, not not the full Everest, but still. That's that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, it's my it's my escape. It's my meditation. It's my escape. It's my it's my. I have to be outside as much as I can. So, um, my next question is: What is your hidden talent? You know, listen. I would say I think we're really. I'm quite good at tennis player uh so Ooh. you know maybe i'll i'll add that in as a as a talent that that most people um might not know about me i played a lot of um a lot a lot a lot of tennis growing up and i feel that having had a sport um having learned how to fail and then you know you fall down you get back yeah. up again and again and again and again and again is is both a 
something I carry with me as something I can do today as a, I guess, a talent or a skill. Um, yeah. And, and, but it's also something that gives me, I think, you know, a little bit of a, a toolbox on and, and some great skill sets along the way. Oh, beautiful. I love that. And my last question is, if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur, what would Randy be doing right now? Today in 2023, with what I know about the nonprofit space in the environmental sector, which holds my heart, I think I would I would be working for or with, um, certainly I would be operating in that space. Yeah, I love that. Well, in a great way, you know, you're doing that with your product business is you're making an impact as well on the planet with everything you're doing. So uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I love when it's connected in that way. But Randy, it's just been such a pleasure speaking to you. Of course, a huge fan of your brand and now even more so yourself hearing your journey and story. But where can everyone continue to follow yourself? And or, uh, if you have social media, but if not, just ne- uh, your necessaires, Instagram and handles, what are they? Uh, you can find us um the team and I at Necessaire um, on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, and at Necessaire.com, our website. Yeah, so come along. And I have a handle as well, Randy, at Randy Christensen. So um, that's that's where I'm at. Um, I'll put all the links in the summary so people can just tap straight away in the website too. And of course, you're available at major retailers, especially like Sephora, etc. So people can find you with your products. So. We feel very lucky to be at Sephora and credo and goop and and violet gray well randy such a pleasure and i hope to see you very very soon in person this is just the beginning of our friendship and a lot more to 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 you know work with each other and help the planet you know we leave the planet in a better place than we came into it that's very important well it's been an absolute privilege and thank you for the good questions makes you think new thoughts i walk away very inspired by you as well and 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 thank you for the time i i really uh i really appreciate it hope you enjoyed this episode of founded beauty as much as i had making it and if you did please share it with a friend who you think will love it too founded beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as apple Podcasts, spotify amazon music Podcasts, the acast app and many more and i'm also very proud to be part of the acast creator network to be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop we really appreciate every single follow listen share and review it truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.